Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. Welcome back to another episode of Females on Fire. I am so excited about this episode today because I have somebody on who I've looked up to for a long time and we definitely share a love of pink. So I am so excited to talk to Kat Schmoyer today. She is a wedding planner, the owner of Dear Sweetheart Events, and she is also the founder of the Creative at Heart Conference, which is a huge conference in its industry and has really helped a lot of people in general, but especially women run their businesses and really advance their business in their life. So Kat Schmoyer, thank you so much for coming on today. I am so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. And I didn't realize that how deep your love for pink was as well. And so when you said that, it just made me smile so big. So I'm so glad that um, I can be here and we can be chatting a little bit today. Yes, I am so excited. So today we're going to talk all about conferences and workshops and how people can get started with those. But first, I want to hear all about your journey of how you got into planning weddings and definitely how you got started with Creative at Heart. So tell everybody your story. Okay. So, um, I did the very cliche Hallmark movie thing to do, um, back over or now let's see, it's been almost six years now. Um, right after my husband and I got married, I decided that if I could plan my own wedding, I could plan other people's weddings. And so I launched dear sweetheart events just three months after being married. Um, before that, I kind of jumped around to a lot of different things. I don't know if any of y'all can relate. I never knew exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I just liked to wear a lot of hats. I liked to do a lot of different things. So I say now that Dear Sweetheart Events was like my catalyst into entrepreneurship. Um, while I love planning weddings and I'm super blessed to have planned, you know, weddings for my past couples and really excited for future couples. Um, I love small business ownership more than I love planning weddings. Um, I just love entrepreneurship. I love the freedom of entrepreneurship. I love the challenges that come with entrepreneurship. And so um, I definitely say that the Lord saw fit to, you know, give me um, the courage to start my first business, which then just led me on this really awesome journey of just small business ownership in general. Um, so I launched Dear Sweetheart Events when I was very much a newlywed. And I was working a full-time job and I went through the struggle of balancing this side hustle when trying to take it full-time, um, but also having a pretty demanding nine to five. Um, I was um, an administrative assistant to a um, college president and I did enjoy my job. I actually worked at my alma mater. And so it was so much fun to like go back to, you know, my college campus literally every day and, you know, see professors that I had um, grown to love and just be a part of that community, but it, it wasn't my dream job. 
So I worked really hard for 17 months to grow my business while I was working that nine to five so that I could leave my full-time job and take DSC full-time. Um, during that, those initial 17 months when I was growing my wedding planning business, I got the idea to start creative at heart. Um, at the time I, was very selfish. <laughs> I tell that to everyone. I'm like, I started the conference because of, I was a very selfish person. Um, I being a wedding planner and being very new in business was looking for business resources. Um, I was looking for a place to go to find camaraderie with other women who were like-minded, um, and who had the same like struggles and the same pain points and the same questions that I had in business. Um, I think for me, it was, I'd finally found like my place in the world with just small business ownership. So I wanted to just be around even more people that were small business owners and Instagram was becoming a thing. And, you know, blogging was really big at the time. Like there were ways that I was making connections, but none of that was in person. And so starting creative at heart was a way for me selfishly to have in-person friends, um, and to also grow my business while I was meeting lifelong friends. So I launched Creative at Heart in the middle of, you know, juggling my full-time job and juggling wedding planning. And thankfully, other people wanted to attend and um, other people had the same desire. And we had really awesome educators that like poured into our people um, and really helped me grow the brand to what it is today. Um, after I left my full-time job, I was then able to really dive into, you know, Dear Sweetheart events with more, um, more force um, because I had more time on my hands and also to continue growing creative at heart. Um, right now, currently, um, we have an annual conference for creative at heart, and we also have a membership community, which is new for us. We just launched it this year and it's been so much fun to have a virtual like online resource for business owners. And then I am still, um, planning weddings. I've had to scale that back a little bit because creative has grown so much just within the last year alone. Um, but it's such a good good problem to have. Um, and I'm really grateful that again, dear sweetheart events led me, uh, led me to creative at heart and just has continued to like push me on my small business journey. I think the biggest thing I love about that story is just how multi-passionate you are. I'm so multi-passionate. And like, I have been that way from the beginning, like truly, even like when I was growing up, like I liked so many things. It was always very hard for me to be like, I want to be this when I grew up, you know, like I couldn't really fathom just doing one thing for the rest of my life. Um, I love, and that's what I love about small business ownership that I can do so many different things. I definitely understand that. And I relate to that so much. And I feel like so often, especially in business, we're constantly feeling like whatever we get started with, we really have to stick with it. Mm, yeah. And I think so many people are afraid to open that second business or turn that second hobby into an actual business and, and really just dive into kind of another lane. You know, we constantly hear like stay in your own lane. And I feel like so many people are scared to step out of their own right. lane. So I love that you tried so many different things and built up, you know, I know creative at heart really kind of started out more for wedding vendors, but I mean, now you get, you know, entrepreneurs in all kinds of creative spaces, I think. So I love yes. how much you've grown it and how it's taken such a unique shape in the industry. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's definitely been something that over the last like two years specifically, um, I've tried to really um, like craft our brand so that it's creatives as a whole, you know, versus just wedding industry. Obviously, it's so important, you know, to have education in the wedding industry, but it's also important to just for all creatives to feel welcome, you know, and be able to come and um, get really incredible content from, you know, industry experts, but also um, like find that community with one another. Definitely. And I think you've done a really great job of that too. So thank you. Good for you. Well, let's dive in because I have tons of questions and I know, <laughs> okay. I know our audience is going to be really excited to hear just all about your journey with really how you got started with Creative at Heart. So first question, just kind of drawing on your own experience, what do you think is kind of the first and foremost foundation for starting a conference or a retreat or a workshop? You know, what what do you feel like somebody really has to have to get started? And how did you know that you wanted to start? I know you kind of mentioned that you were just looking for uh, business resources for yourself. And so that kind of helped you to found creative at heart. So how do you think people can decide if starting a workshop or hosting a retreat or a conference is the right thing to do for them and their business? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say two things. Um, honestly, like any new thing in business, you have to make sure that there's a need for it in the industry and like with your ideal client. So whether that's, you know, something like launching a conference or retreat or workshop, you know, some sort of in-person educational experience all the way to even just launching a brand new service for yourself or, you know, an, a new product in your online shop, whatever it might be, like you want to make sure that there is a need for it. Um, and so it can truly be simple things like Instagram polls, you know, like doing polls on Insta story to find out like, are people looking for this? Like, what do they want? What do they need? Um, to talking with friends in the industry, being more aware of conversations that are taking place in, um, industry related Facebook groups that you're in, just being again, aware of this surroundings so that you can determine, do I have something that people are looking for or have the idea for something that people are looking for? Um, so that is first and foremost, what I would say to do. Um, the second thing is honestly, it, it comes down to connections as well. Now that does not mean that you have to have a large Instagram following. I think that's one of the biggest myths. Um, people get so nervous to do something new because they feel like they don't have a large enough audience. Um, it, in my mind, it doesn't matter the size of your audience. It matters the quality of that audience and the quality of the relationships that you've cultivated in the industry. Um, I 110% say, um, and like, just believe that the success, quote unquote, success of the early days of creative at heart was because we had educators that were willing to partner with us. We did not have, like, I did not have a brand for creative at heart when we first started. I hadn't, y'all, I didn't even have a name for the conference when I first pitched it to educators. It was very unprofessional. Um, we just got an Instagram account off the ground. I mean, everything was starting from the ground up. Um, so I didn't have a lot of things to leverage on that front, but I could make make connections with people. And so I literally just started emailing educators, reaching out to educators on social media and making sure that they knew who I was in, in a good way, right? Like not in a way that, you know, I wanted to be sleazy. I just wanted to make connections. I wanted to get to know them and feel it as if like they, like, did they have the same heart that I had for community and education? Like, would they want to be a part of it? And really 
like, again, utilize that relationship and that connection. So I don't say connection in terms of the number of people. I say connection in terms of the quality and making sure that you're really being true to whatever it is that you want to offer. So this new conference or retreat that you want to host and like having those connections with people that would be able to help you push it further. I love that you specified that about connection because I feel like, like you said, so many people are hesitant to start something just because they don't think they have the audience or the following or the good size email list or whatever to actually do it. So I love hearing the backstory for you of, you know, you said it was very unprofessional. You didn't even have a name. I really didn't. It was terrible. (laughs) And I'd only, yeah. And I'd only been a wedding planner for 10 months when I launched creative at heart. So it's not like I had years and years of small business ownership under my belt for a, the business side of it. You know, like I was very much learning how to run a business, but even the brand, like I hadn't built up the dear sweetheart events, Instagram, you know, I hadn't built an email list. Like I hadn't done a lot of those things. Um, and I was still like, I want to make connections and I want to try to like get this off of the ground. I think too, I I think in my opinion, from an outside perspective, what really benefited you the most, because I've, I've watched creative at heart since almost the very beginning and watched it grow and watch you, you know, grow that Instagram and have more and more people come every single year. And I think for you, what really just benefited you the most is your drive to make it work. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can have with starting a business or a conference is just, you know, if you feel like it's something that's needed, then there's probably somebody else out there who feels the same way. You just have to find them and you've got to put in the commitment and the work to find them and to bring them the right content and the right speakers. So I love your passion for it and how hard you worked to build it up because I think that's just really the success story that people need to see to really get the motivation to just go for it, whatever it is they're trying to start just to do it. Yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, there, I definitely still struggle with imposter syndrome and, you know, all of those like comparison things that a lot of small business owners struggle with. Um, so in no way have I like conquered (laughs) those fears. Um, but I do think that we have to be confident in in what we're passionate about and what we're putting out into the world. If we don't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it. Um, that's just the truth of the matter. And again, I'm not saying that I like always believe what I'm doing. (laughs) There's definitely moments of doubt in there, um, depending on the day, but overall, like I believe in creative at heart, like I believe in what we're doing and I want to, you know, grow the brand and make connections with other men and women that believe the same things I do, um, so that we can like continue to grow and push forward. Definitely. And I think that's the best thing you can have is just the belief that, you know, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get better. And you've got faith that it's needed and you're doing the right thing. So I love that. So just with getting started, what do you feel like are the must-haves for, you know, say somebody is wanting to put on their first workshop or their first conference, what do you absolutely have to have? Do you need speakers? Do you have to have sponsors? Do you need a certain amount of tickets? So, I mean, just what are the, the go-to things that you feel like really make for a great event? Um, that's a really good question. Okay. So this is like the business side of me coming out. All right. Um, I absolutely, (laughs) I absolutely think that you have to have a budget. 
um, which I know is like so like boring and like who wants that? But if in my opinion, um, conferences and workshops, really any sort of in-person event um, can quote unquote fail um, because there isn't the business side of it. Um, it's very easy to want to do something because you're passionate about it, um, just like we talked about, right? Like I am very much multi-passionate and I believe in creative at heart wholeheartedly, as I'm sure those of you listening, like you might believe wholeheartedly in this whatever in-person event, you know, that you're thinking about putting on, um, but you have to also treat it like a business. Um, so you have to understand like, what's your break even point? What are the expenses going into it? What does your registration fee need to be in order for you to make X amount of dollars, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, when you first start an in-person experience, you are likely not going to profit a lot of money, but that doesn't mean that you can't profit the first time that you do it, or at least break even, and then continue to grow from there. Um, the budget side of running Creative at Heart was a very, very, very huge pain point for me in the first two years, just full transparency. It was really hard for me to navigate what the budget looked like, you know, in terms of compensation for education and attendee registration and paying the venue and the food and, you know, all of these things. Um, and it took me a lot of trial and error to figure out like what that needed to look like. Um, and actually, um, boil down to like a really, um, heartfelt, but hard, um, conversation with my husband at the end of 2016, he sat me down and said, like, if you can't make this profitable at this, you know, at this amount, the next time around, like, I think that we need to close the doors. Like, I don't think you can do it for the amount of time and effort and everything that you're pouring into it. It's not where it needs to be from a business standpoint. That was an incredibly hard conversation to have y'all. Um, but it lit a little fire under my butt, um, and allowed me to revamp our budget and really do some research and, and learn and grow and understand what it looked like to budget for the conference. So less than a year after that conversation, Matt was actually able to quit his full-time job and join the business full-time. Um, and like, I'm not kidding, like that literally happened and it still blows my mind. Um, but I think it was because I know it was because we took the numbers seriously. Um, so whenever I'm working with a coaching client on, um, launching an in-person experience, we always talk about the budget. Um, it's very important to understand the ins and outs of things and not just throw spaghetti on the wall, you know, and throw numbers out there and think that it's going to work well for you. Um, so a hands down budget, number one thing all the way. Um, the second thing I would say to make sure um, that you understand about your event is what's the unique value proposition of your event. Like what are you doing that's different? There is so much education in our industry now in a good way, um, but it's also overwhelming. And so you want to make sure that what you're doing has something unique, has a brand um, that either hasn't been done before or a twist on something that's been done before so that you are attracting and repelling the clients that you want to attract. And you have a foundation to stand on as you're building out educators, or maybe that's something that you're the only educator. That's great too. I have some friends that, you know, are photographers and they offer a photography workshop and they are the keynote for three days straight. I don't know how they do it. Um, but you know, they're building a unique value proposition off of that fact. So figuring out like, what does that look like for your, um, experience so that you can build everything off of that and really offer the best thing for your attendees. I love those tips. I think I love that you mentioned the budget, first of all, because I feel like kind of like you said, that's the part that people tend to forget. Cause I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think when we 
think about hosting a workshop or a retreat or a conference. We're so excited about the idea. It's kind of like a new, you know, a new business venture too. You're so excited about the idea that you forget that right. it's going to cost money. So right. I love that you mentioned that as one of the, the very first foundational things. And I think, I think for that second part, it's just really, like you kind of said, finding your why. Why do you want Absolutely. to do it? Why do you think people can relate to it? Because you're right. There's so much education and so many in-person events and so much stuff out there, um, especially for like female entrepreneurs. I mean, you can Google just about anything. So you definitely have to have something unique to make people want to spend a little more money and maybe even hop on a flight to come right. to an person event and take time away from their families and their business to do it. So I, I love those two pieces because I think that that definitely builds for a great foundation. So how do you go about finding like sponsors and speakers? So I know those are two completely different things, but can you just touch a little on what that experience has been like for you in looking for uh, people to kind of help fund the conference as it's gotten bigger and really sponsor it. And also looking for people to, like you said in the beginning, partner with you to come and speak and um, really just provide resources and content to your audience. Yeah. So on our, um, I'll start with like the educator side. Um, so on the educator side, um, we've actually never done a call for educators, like an quote unquote official call, um, on our social media or anything like that. Um, we do have an application, um, that's on our website. So if somebody, um, emails, which we do get, you know, people email and, um, want to know how they can, you know, apply to be an educator. Um, so we can send them to that application. It's on our contact page. Um, but for me, our, because our, again, if you go back to like unique value, um, creative at heart very much embodies community. Like that is a huge core, um, belief for our conference, for just our brand as a whole. And so I have found that, um, with our educators, it's actually been people who, again, have either reached out that way and we are looking through applications or it's been more of a referral based situation. So a friend of a friend makes a connection or, you know, I'm on a podcast and then someone hears it and like says, Oh, so-and-so sounds like they would be a really good fit. They on their brand, like that sort of thing, um, has worked really, really well for us and allowed um, a lot of doors to be opened on the educator side um, so that we're getting educators that believe in our core values um, and really do want to offer um, education from a community standpoint um, and kind of leave competition at the door when they come, which is really helpful um, to have, again, with our educators wholeheartedly believing in that mission and wanting to be a part of it. Um, I do also you know, reach out and pitch to educators as well. Um, so whether that somebody points out an educator to me and says, Hey, have you heard of so-and-so like they might be a good fit. And, you know, I do a little bit more digging and I want to, you know, make that email connection and, you know, go from there. Or I do my own little stocking <laughs> and I, you know, kind of have a running list of um, women. This sounds like super stalkerish, but like women I'm watching, you know, women I'm following on Instagram or I've taken their course or I've been a part of another event that where they spoke or something like that. And I feel like, oh, that was really awesome content. Like we've never had somebody speak about that specific thing. Um, or again, it's on the community side. And I just really feel like what they're cultivating and the brand message that they're putting out is a great fit for creating 
creative at heart. Um, we also like to um, circle back to our alumni as much as we can too and really um, support our alumni. And so um, I love when our alumni come back and apply to be an educator or reach out about being a panelist or a breakout leader or a keynote or, you know, whatever it might be. And there's ways that we can continue to support their business. Um, again, if it's, you know, a good fit all around. So that's sort of the educator side of things. And then on the sponsor side of things, um, it's a little bit different. Um, we do a call for sponsors. Um, we actually um, did one in March for our June conference. That way we you know, have some time in there to um, be able to sort through applications with our sponsors and things like that. The majority of our sponsors are giving um, a specific product. Um, we do have some service-based sponsors that we're super grateful for, um, whether that's you know floral design or photography, things like that. Um, but the majority of our sponsors are product-based, um, meaning they want to give um, one of their products either as a coupon code um, or if the tangible product in a swag bag um, for attendees. So again, that's just sorting through applications and figuring out, you know, is it a good fit? Do we, like, we don't want to have 20 art prints, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, we're helping our attendees, not just giving them things that, you know, aren't life giving. We want it to be, you know, um, products that um, align with our brand and also, you know, not way too many of one specific type of product. Um, and also, you know, sponsors that, you know, we're excited to partner with and be able to um, showcase their brand. Um, we actually don't have very many monetary sponsors um, and the monetary sponsors that we have are typically sponsors that I reach out to um, because I feel like their brand would be a really good fit. Um, something that I am really leery of is um, I don't want a, a larger monetary sponsor to come in and try to take over the show. Um, again, we very much have like our unique value proposition, our brand core values, like our brand message. Like we have things that we have been doing since the beginning and we want to stay consistent assistant across all conferences and now even with our membership site, like across all avenues of our brand. And so, um, having larger monetary sponsors can definitely be a really great fit, but it's traditionally been me reaching out to sponsors that I do feel like would be a good fit versus sponsors pitching to us. And then me feeling like they're like taking over a little bit too much. Um, and that's just not the, the feel that we have, um, at creative at heart. Right. That definitely makes sense. And I think that's super helpful information because I know a lot of people are always curious about, well, how am I going to, you know, find these people to come speak or to sponsor and, and to do all these things for this event. So I think that was definitely helpful information for sure. That did kind of bring up a question for me though, because I feel like starting out, it's always so scary to find those people and everybody's so focused on the speakers that they kind of don't really think too much about sponsorship. So. I just kind of wanted to ask, do you feel like in the beginning stages of Creative at Heart, how important were those sponsorships, even like the products you mentioned that you do a swag bag for attendees? Did you do that in the beginning in those first few conferences? And did you feel like it really benefited attendees as far as like coming back or referring other people? And did it matter? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I love that question. Um, yes and no. So um, it's actually something that we're kind of even circling back to for this year, truthfully, um, with what we did in the beginning. So let me explain that. So y'all aren't like, wait, what in the world is Kat talking about? Um, the first couple of, the first like two conferences, um, our conference has always been multiple days. So we used to be two days and now we're three and a half days. Um, but even the first two conferences, when we were two day conferences, the very first day, the swag was super simple. 
um, it was some sort of like notebook or, you know, something for note taking that was like kind of creative at heart branded with like a cute pink pencil and like a coffee mug or something like that. Like literally like three to four things max. Very, very, very simple. And then the second day was um, a bag or, you know, some, something like that, a little box or something that was filled more, um, with products that had been sponsored from other small business owners that wanted to, you know, be a part of the conference. So we kept it pretty minimal. We didn't feel like we had to go all out and like every single event, there was something new for people. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, they walk into lunch and there's something new on the seat. Oh, they go to the late night treat and there's something new. Like we didn't do that. Um, we have been really blessed, um, over the years as the brand has grown that if we have more sponsors, then we felt like we could do more things, you know, because we have more people that would like to be a part. Um, but this year we're actually like stripping that back a little bit, honestly, for like organization side on us. Like we, I really am trying to live by like the motto of less is more. And there's ways that we can be super intentional about products and, you know, things that we're offering our attendees. So again, it's life giving stuff. It's not just like giving them a bag of goodies that they go home and they never actually like utilize the things that were in there. Um, so we're going with more of a less is more approach and focusing on, um, some simpler things for day one that again are still really beautiful and like branded well, and then having other things that are, you know, kind of product based and, you know, really awesome gifts from other sponsors that we're excited to share. Um, but trying to strip that down a bit. So that's what I would suggest, um, to anyone who's getting started is first of all, just ask people. Um, so whether you know of specific brands that you would love to sponsor your event, um, or you want to put out a call on Instagram. So it's a little bit broader and make just like a simple type form or Google form that people can fill out out um, to give you more information about what they want to sponsor. Um, so simply ask um, and see the response that you get. See what people say. Um, and then don't be afraid to do like a, a less is more situation um, and really honing in on like being super intentional with what you're doing. Um, and I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised um, by the response and the feedback that you'll get from your attendees with that approach. I love that because I can't tell you how many times I've been to some kind of event or show or something where I walked away with a handful of things that I never used again. Right. They ended up <laughs> in my car, the floor of my car or the trash or God mm -hmm. knows where. So I love that you're, you're being intentional and I love that that was your advice because I think that's probably something people forget in the beginning. They feel like they need to do anything and everything and up their game and like you said, sometimes less is more. So I love that. Just sort of piggybacking off how did you find, you know, sponsors and speakers? What about location? Because I know, you know, it's simple if you're hosting like an in-town workshop and it's just sort of for locals. But if you're trying to host something a little more broad that you can expand to more people, what's been your process personally for finding a location every year? Because I know it's been a little bit different every year and not always even in the same state. So what's just been your process for finding a location that's really convenient for both speakers and attendees? And how do you really go about contacting that location and convincing them that they really should host your conference? Yeah. Um, so I am again, a planner. Um, and so I, this part, like the planning part of the conference makes me really excited because I do love to plan. <laughs> 
Um, so I love like the organization and, um, you know, reaching out to new venues and cities and things like that. Um, we have actually always done a different venue except for this year. This is the first year we're repeating and we're going back to the same venue that we used for round eight, um, which is super awesome because the theme for round eight was home. And we say now that like, and as a conference, we physically found our home and we're going back to the same location, which is awesome. Um, but before that, before, you know, like repeating, we would poll our people. Um, so I would ask, we have an alumni Facebook group. Um, so I would ask in there, like what location they'd like us to visit. We always ask in the survey after the conference, um, for next year, like where people would like us to go and leave it open-ended so people can truly just fill in the blank on that one. Um, that's actually how we found the current venue, the one that we're repeating. Um, someone physically said you should go to Winlock. And then I'm like Googling like, Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And like found it. It was so crazy. Um, but I definitely, ask our people. So if you are thinking about hosting an event where you would be traveling, um, again, simply things like, um, Instagram story polls and email, um, emailing out to your people, asking them to hit reply, tell me where you want us to go next. Like those kinds of things, um, can really be powerful. Um, and people will tell you when you ask them, um, and that can allow you to, you know, understand more of where you want to go at the time. My vision for creative was very much like hosting it all over the country. And so traveling around, um, and I'm so so glad that we did and we learned so much through that experience but um, right now just with this season of life that I'm in with my um, 10 month old and all of that um, and just how our conference has grown um, and all of the various educational sessions that we have we have physically found a really wonderful space that can serve our attendees well um, with again like physically feeling comfortable you know in this space and having all that we need the amenities that we need um, and the staff is just a phenomenal. Um, so we're really excited to be able to loop back for round nine to the same one we did for round eight. That's awesome. I love that you got to kind of experience both. You've done like a different venue every time and now you're doing the same venue. So I love that you're getting to kind of experience both sides. I think that's cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that you like poll the audience after the event, like you email attendees and get feedback. Can we talk a little more about that for just a minute and yeah. talk about, you know, how do you, what do you ask them after the event? How do you figure out if the event was successful? Do you poll um, speakers as well? Do you poll sponsors? What was it for you, especially in the beginning, but even now too, that really decides whether or not you felt like it was successful? So great question. Um, we definitely have a survey. We've actually had a survey since the very first conference. Um, and we just tweak it ever so slightly over the years. Um, it's pretty long. I'm not going to lie. Um, but we get really good responses, um, in terms of, and I shouldn't say that we get good responses in terms of the amount of people that respond. We do get, um, constructive criticism, which is helpful. Like that's what I want the survey to do. Um, we ask um, things like, um, could they see and hear the speaker well? Um, were they satisfied with the registration process? We literally, for our keynotes, list out every single keynote and they rank them on a scale of one to five. Um, because I, I want to know as the host, like, did this content resonate? Like, what does that look like? That is probably one of the most helpful things that we do. Um, we do that for our keynote sessions and we do that for our breakout sessions. Um, keynote sessions, everybody attends. Breakout sessions, they're assigned breakout 
breakout sessions. Um, but it's still helpful for me because then I know, again, was this session helpful? And people will flat out tell me this breakout session should have been a keynote. And I use that feedback this year. We're using that feedback and we have a breakout session as a keynote for this year because it was like one of the fan favorites from round eight and we knew we needed to repeat it. Um, so content, it's very, very, very helpful for me. Um, we'll ask like menu and like food related things to make sure people felt like, you know, they had enough options and dietary restrictions were met, like those sorts of things. Um, we also even just leave it open-ended like, Hey, what else do you want us to know? Like, how else can we help you? What can we do moving forward? Um, and that's a fill in the blank. And so that's helpful because it's a wide variety of feedback. Um, but I want that, you know, I want to just hear a wide variety of things from our attendees to make sure that we're serving them well and we continue to serve them well. Um, our educators, we um, tell them that they're more than welcome to fill out the attendee survey as well. Since a lot of that is still applicable for them. And I also just send out an email to all of the educators and say like, Hey, I'd love constructive feedback. Like, please let me know. Um, and we have some educators that are super open, um, to saying like, Hey, here, here is my constructive feedback. Like here's some pros and cons from the last time. And I love that truthfully. Um, it's really great for me, um, to hear what worked and what didn't work from an educator standpoint. Um, I feel like our, our, um, as a conference, we really do have two ideal clients. I have a very ideal educator and I have a very ideal attendee. And so I need to understand the pain points in both of those things. I want my educators to feel like they knew what was going on and to feel like it was an organized process and feel like it was beneficial for them and their business and their brand. And I want attendees to feel like they are at home, to feel like they connected, that the content was right, exactly what they needed in this season of business, to feel like they weren't hungry, you know, all of those things. And so the survey allows us to like really dig into each of those things. Um, and I go back to this day, even to the survey from the very first one, and we'll be able to like repeat back and be like, oh wait, we talked about this topic at round two. Like what did people say again? And I'll loop back to it. Um, even though it's several years old, because it's still my ideal client talking about something very specific to me and to our business. And so having a survey is absolutely super important for any sort of educational experience, whether it's in person or a course, or even like coaching clients to send to them after or anything like that. It's interesting to me that as you were talking, I just kept thinking it's, it's funny how the feedback and the constructive criticism of putting on an in-person event is much like finding out the branding of your business. Yeah. Because you were just talking about ideal clients and, you know, I just kept thinking about that customer avatar and really putting out content that reaches the right person and, and all of that. So it's, it's interesting to me how, you know, if you've branded a business, then you're probably going to take feedback on an in-person event very well because it seems like there's a lot of similarities there. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's for us, the survey is so helpful because I feel like I can even, again, we utilize it for like logistical planning things. You know what I mean? Like we had, for example, um, the last, so round seven was our first conference that we had a wide variety of breakout session options available and they were a massive hit. Like literally, I'm not kidding. Every single person who filled out the survey was like, I want more breakout sessions. I love them so much. 
because we flat out ask a question in there that says, what would you change about creative at heart? And then what would you never, ever change about creative at heart? Like those are two of the questions in our survey. Um, and they're great questions for me. Sometimes they can be hard to read. Not going to lie. Like sometimes I'm like, Oh, but I wouldn't change that. You know, it's like, okay, like what, what are we changing? Because you're not going to please everybody, but they are really helpful, constructive things for me to read. And, um, one of the things was breakout sessions. And so for round eight, we added even more breakout sessions. We added four more sessions. So we went from, um, I think we went from like 14 to 18 and people freaked out again and they were like, I need more, like, give me more sessions. I want less keynotes and more breakouts. So this year for the first time ever, we have less keynote sessions and 24 breakout session options. So again, using that survey for us to know like, how can we make it better and better and better so that our attendees are truly loving their experience. And they feel like it was absolutely worth the investment for them. I love it. I love how tuned in you are to, you know, what's, you're not so stuck on, well, this is how I want it. And you're, you're more focused on making sure that the attendees actually enjoyed themselves and really got something out of it. And I, I think that all goes back to you starting it because you wanted the connections and you wanted to learn about business. Because I feel like since you had that foundation and that was the reason that you started it, it's really followed you all the way here to round nine and you're still looking for that and you're still wanting that. And it hasn't turned into, you know, one of those things where you're like, well, I want it this way. So we're going to do it this way. And I don't care if anybody shows up. So. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Thank you for saying that. Sometimes I'm definitely can be selfish and I'm like, Oh, but like, I really love this. So it'll be harder for me to like have some wiggle room on things. But again, like it's just, I feel like for me, it's if you understand the core values, then you'll know like, okay, do I need to move because like, you know, transition a little bit because our attendees are asking for it? Or do I not need to transition because it goes against a core value? You know what I mean? And so for us, like me understanding, like, what are the core values of the conference? And like, what do I want to move? Like for me, adding more breakout sessions, that didn't affect a core value, right? It just meant, okay, two less keynotes because we need three and a half hour time slot to be able to have more breakout sessions. You know, it was like a logistical thing to flip around. Um, but there are other things that I'm like, no, for us, for example, like we have gotten a lot of requests over the years to host style shoots at the conference um, because we have been wedding industry heavy. But one of our core values is that we are not just for wedding industry. We are for all creatives. So even though I know that some of our wedding vendors would geek out over a style shoot, as of right now, we will never, ever offer a style shoot at Creative at Heart because we are for all creatives. So for me, that's a core value thing that I don't want to move. Um, but I know, I know that it, like, this will be fun for people, but it's just a core value thing that I don't want to move. So as long as I feel like in any business or any educational event, you understand like what those core values are, then you can take constructive criticism and take feedback through that lens and know what you want to change and what you want to always stay the same. Definitely such good advice, such good advice. So I could probably pick your brain literally all day long <laughs> and come up with a thousand more questions, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna let it go here. Um, but I, I do think this was super beneficial for anybody who's just getting started. You know, maybe they've done one event, they're trying to figure out where they went wrong or they haven't started yet at all. I think this was a great foundation for really getting started and just seeing where they can kind of go with it. So I definitely appreciate all of your advice with that. But I do have a quick little lightning round that I do at the end of every episode. And it's just some fun little lighthearted questions that I'm curious about. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So what is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? 
Um, okay. So now with the 10 month old, the first thing that I'm doing is like typically stumbling up the stairs to his room because he is awake. <laughs> um, but I am, I'm a coffee girl. So like, don't talk to me until I've had a cup of coffee is typically my go-to thing. So I need to have a cup of coffee for sure. I love it. Caffeine is a must. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. What is the last book that you read? Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So I'm, I'm almost done with it. So I'm going to use this book. Um, digital minimalism. It has been so, so wonderful. Um, so I highly recommend it to anybody who is like feeling overwhelmed with just social media and our digital age that we're in right now. Interesting. I haven't read that one, so I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It's been really good. I've like really enjoyed it. I'm on like, I have like two chapters left, I think. So very cool. Uh, what is one thing that you recommend? So it can be an item or a product or just a thing that you have, but what is one thing that you recommend to everyone? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, one thing I recommend to everyone, um, I have, this is probably really silly. Um, I need to drink more water. Like it's just like a thing for me. So I, back when I was pregnant, I actually got a hydro flask and it's like a big 32 ounce one and it's hot pink and it's like super cute. Um, and I love it. And I literally <laughs> carry it around everywhere with me. Like I can throw it in the diaper bag when we're out and about, I can like literally take it everywhere. I always have it on my desk. And so it's so big. So I feel like I can just, you know, keep drinking water. It's not like I'm running out of water and it's a straw top too. So I'm like, I drink more water when it's a straw top, which is probably super weird. <laughs> um, so anybody who wants a cute water bottle that holds a lot, go get a hydro flask. They're really cute. And it keeps it cold for like 48 hours or something ridiculous. So yeah. I love it. I don't think that's silly at all. I think that was a perfect <laughs> recommendation for this audience. That was great. All right. Last question. What is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Um, okay. My favorite quote, as soon as you said that, um, the first thing I thought about was actually, um, a past creative at her educator, Mary Marantz. She said, um, you didn't quit your nine to five to work 24 seven. And I am, I'm, I'm a workaholic. Like I love to work. Um, and I am definitely like a type three on the Enneagram. So I'm an achiever like to my core. Um, and so I, I just love it. I love the challenge of owning a business, but that has just resonated so much with me over the last like two years, honestly, especially with growing our family and then figuring out like, how can I kind of do that less is more in my work. So I'm doing things that are really fulfilling, but I'm also like not working myself to the bone and I'm giving myself time for what matters. So definitely that one for sure. I love that. That's such a good one. And especially, you know, for the females on fire audience, that's probably super relevant. And I think everybody can probably relate to that one. I know I do. So I love that. So I'm going to have you tell everybody where they can find you. But before you do that, I just kind of want to give you the opportunity to, I know creative at heart round nine is sold out. Is that right? It is. Yes. Okay. So I know our audience won't get to experience that this year, but I know you briefly mentioned earlier that you have a new membership community that they could experience. So can you just really briefly kind of tell them what that is and how they can find that? 
Yes, I would love to. So Creative 24-7 is our membership community for Creative at Heart. Um, it is an online membership community where we have an exclusive Facebook group as well as a monthly content that we um, provide to our members. Um, it's a monthly subscription. So it's one of those things where um, there's no contract. You don't have to you know, sign up for a full, um, a full year or anything like that. You literally do it month by month and it's $29 a month. Um, and every month we have new content available um, and it's topical. So for example, the month of um, May is all about systems and workflow in your business. And so we have a wide variety of educators from service-based to product-based, like kind of doing a behind the scenes and systems and workflow in their business and what works and what doesn't work. Um, the month of June is all about email marketing. And so diving into growing your list and nurturing your list and launch strategies to your list, like all sorts of things. So every month there's a different topic. Um, and it, we want you to be able to have this recorded content in your um, account so you can like watch that content whenever it's convenient for you. But then also, again, I love community, which I'm sure y'all probably got through this episode. Um, have the Facebook group for community, for Facebook lives with our educators, um, office hours with me, and just getting to connect with other members. Um, so for me, it's like the best of both worlds. And I feel like we get to have creative at heart every day, um, versus just having it, you know, one time a year. So we're really excited about it. You can get all of the information at our website, which is creative at heart conference.com. That's awesome. And you guys seriously, Kat is so good at finding some of the best like industry experts, um, when she's creating content and creating resources. So I know that membership community is going to be amazing. And if you missed out on Creative at Heart this year, that's going to be a perfect opportunity for you to still feel like you're involved and like you're getting all of that good stuff that she's bringing. So definitely check that out and keep Creative at Heart in mind for next year when it opens up again. So definitely check that out. And now Kat, if you will just tell everybody where they can find you, what's your website, your social, all that fun stuff. Yes, of course. So for Creative at Heart, the Instagram is Creative at Heart. Um, and our website is creativeatheartconference.com. And we also have a blog there as well um, and a YouTube channel. For um, Kat Schmoyer, you guys can follow me on Instagram, which is Kat Schmoyer. Um, and my blog is catchmoyer.com. So yeah, I think that's it. And I'd love to connect with y'all at any point. Um, and if anyone has like specific questions for an in-person or educational experience that you're working on, like, please reach out, like DM me, email me, whatever you want. I love connecting with other women that are doing in-person events. Um, because it's rare, like there's not a lot of us. Um, so it's really cool to make connections with other women that are doing the same thing and to help each other out. I love it. Well, Kat, thank you so much, seriously, for not only your advice, but your transparency throughout this conversation too, because I feel like there's, like you said, there's not a lot of women putting on in-person events and there's definitely not a lot of women talking about their in-person events and all those behind the scenes and pain points and everything. So I know our audience really is going to appreciate this conversation. And I know I appreciate so much you just coming on and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. This was seriously like so fun. I'm so glad we got to talk about all of this. Well, ladies, that's it for this time. But don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more 
because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.